0: The Exton Moss Experiment, Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 47, The Sarah Jane Adventures, Farewell Sarah Jane. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to the Exton Moss Experiment. I'm Ken Moss.
1: I'm Simon Exton.
0: And tonight we are going to be paying tribute to Sarah Jane Smith, the character in Doctor Who played by Elizabeth Sladen. Now at the moment, the country and indeed the world is gripped in the ravages of COVID-19 pandemic. So, although it's generally considered to be a reasonably unpleasant thing for quite a lot of people, there are some interesting things coming out of it. And one of the things we've just had in the past weekend is the final sort of coda to the Sarah Jane Adventures, Farewell, Sarah Jane Smith, written by Russell T. Davis. It's a 14-minute, essentially, enhanced talking book And it rounds off the story at Sarah Jane's funeral with a cast of guest stars. And it's really rather lovely. Before we get started, shall we get out the tonic screwdriver and get the lid off a gin?
1: One that we've got for tonight is a a variant of one that we've actually done before and got a, a five out of five from both of us. And that was Papillon Gin. Um, and this is their Admiral variant, and the Infobolics.
0: Oh, have you got it in front of, it. of you? We are remote. We're remote recording. You see, but I've got it in front of me too.
1: Would you like to do the Infobollocks for once? Because I, I never really do it. I never
0: do this bit. Uh, yeah, it's knock a, yourself out. It's a fifty-seven percent gin. So enough of it, and we will. It's Papillon's Dartmoor take on a navy strength gin. Distilled with 18 botanicals, including Dartmoor flavours of fresh gorse flowers picked on the moor, rowan and hawthorn berries, nettles and navel wort. Named for the Red Admiral Butterfly, a regular garden visitor on Dartmoor that feeds on nettles. Um, I'll be honest, because I don't know what navel wort, rowan or hawthorn tastes like. Or nettles for that matter.
1: Oh, nettles is quite nice. Nettles are quite nice. They're a bit minty. I've never heard of navalwort. wort. Yeah. Um, all I will say is, it's really nice. It's, it is. Um, the the smell, smell of it, as really you put good.
0: it to your lips, the smell that hits you actually, it reminds me of, is it lemon barley water? Yeah. But it doesn't taste like it.
1: It does kind of smell like a hot day on Dartmoor, actually. Well, I, I used to live in Devon, so mm. I, I spent quite a bit of time on Dartmoor. I think it's lovely. Oh, yeah. It says that the perfect serve should be maximum 3 to 1.
0: Which I have done tonight. I've not drowned it, you'll be pleased to hear. But you see, all these real strong navy-strength gins, I've got a real soft spot for because, A, you don't need a lot to feel the effects. It does relax you very quickly. But they really taste of something. It's a very refreshing drink. I'm not big on strong spirits. But this, it's not quite five territory, but it's cruising dangerously close
1: See, when, I've, when I first tried this, I, I, I was thinking, oh, yes, this is a nice say four. Actually, this is a five for me. It, it's got really, really nice Moorish flavours. I'm, I'm really enjoying this.
0: So am I. It's almost. Oh.
1: It's a five for me.
0: Yeah. I'm so close. But because I'm hovering, I'm going to give it a four. A five for me has got to be outright pow yep that's it straight in this is I'm umming an eye so it's four
1: whereas for me a five is this is bloody lovely mm. and well worth seeking out um, which this definitely is
0: I'd heartily recommend this I'm so torn
1: that's a little more detail than anybody needed
0: <laughs> well you're a doctor you can put me right yeah it's it's four territory I really but... think that's
1: beyond just about anybody
0: <laughs> <laughs> I won't overstretch your technical capabilities Getting a, back. An, an entirely different conversation. Uh, Simon, you've heard this already, haven't you?
1: Um, I, ha- I have. I, th- I thought it was wonderful. I may have shed a tear, or several. Um, <laughs> I'm not like you. That doesn't happen very often. Um, you'll greek at the opening of an envelope.
0: But, now, um, don't. Do it. <laughs> I have emotions, sir.
1: Yes. When when we get on to doing... <laughs> when, when did we do the Territory Tratigan for? Was that for the the upcoming... For the um,
0: Etiquette episode, which is uh, in a few one, time?
1: Yeah, You were going to dehydrate at one point.
0: It was a quality piece of television and a well written play.
1: Now, before we get all. Whereas I'm I'm, I'm much more of a hard hearted bastard. Um, mm. I I, I really, really (laughs) am. Uh, And then Sarah Jane really did pull on the heartstrings. It was very well written. It has no plot whatsoever and it doesn't need one. Um, They were a series of beautiful, in terms of both writing and acting, character pieces to camera, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, little monologues started with Katie Manning acting her little heart out as Joe Grant, possibly doing her swan song as Joe Grant or Joe Jones. Mm. um As I understand it, the poor lady is quite poorly at the moment, and we all hope that we that she will pull through. From um, Twitter
0: feed I think she's she's released a video today. I think she's doing okay. Oh, oh so. actually, uh, mm. that is
1: wonderful news. I've been a little busy working today, but she's. In this, she does. I have to say, I think her best performance mm. as Joe Grant, because in her in the days of Joe Grant, I don't think she was booked for her acting ability. <laughs>
0: you um, cynical swine!
1: She she's very 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 pretty, and she's not a bad a bad actress, mm. but she is bracketed by Caroline John and Elizabeth Slayton. so going to fall on the comparisons on on that one, I'm afraid. Now, in later years, the Iris Wildtime that she does is wonderful. Yes, it is. Absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. I'm, I may not be an enormous fan of some of the scripts, but when she's given something like The Wormery, it oh. is just a joy to listen to.
0: The Wormery is a very underrated story.
1: Who underrates it's... The Wormery? I mean, I'm I'm really quite critical of Big Finish, and I think it's fantastic.
0: It came out the same month as The so it was totally overshadowed by that. And I think it's one of the best Colin Baker, in fact, one of the best Doctor Who's,
1: regrettably. I, I wouldn't put it quite that far. I mean, I, I think it, I think it's wonderful. I think it. it if there's any overshadowing to Zagreus, to then it really isn't Zagreus that's cast, casting the shadow. And she puts a wonderful performance as Iris. And when she's given good scripts... She puts in a fantastic performance as Iris Wildtime. I have my issues with Iris Wildtime as mm. a character, particularly in the, in the books. That is absolutely not to detract from her performance.
0: The one thing that struck me about her as Jo in Farewell Sarah Jane, it clearly wasn't being read off um, an autocue or anything. She'd learned the lines. None of them were. And you would have expected it because all of this has been done, I assume, unpaid. That's the general gist of it. Ex-
1: I wouldn't have expected it for a second. Um, that everybody you talk to, and okay, people are always going to say, "Oh yes, she was so she was so lovely." But actually, everybody that you talk to, and the people that you, that don't need to say it, say how lovely Elizabeth Sladen was. Hmm. And pictures you see of stuff on set, she's there in the middle of things massive smile on her face or laugh in a way. So I suspect people who worked with her wanted to be able to say a goodbye.
0: I've got to give a shout and out to- at this point to Emily Cook of Doctor Who magazine because she has been the driving force behind all of this, uh, the rewatching and the Twitter feeds and all the little specials that they've been making. It's her that's driven all this. It's been her baby from the start. I think it's now grown to the point where people actively want to get involved. You've got people like Stephen Moffat coming out of the woodwork, and he's written a piece, I think he's written a 13th Doctor piece. And of course he got involved with a couple of the tweet-alongs. Uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant, I think, have been involved in the tweet-alongs. Russell T. Davis. None of these people have bothered with Twitter, if not before, certainly in recent years. And they're all coming back out of the woodwork for just, just because...
1: Yes, and the, the short stories that are all all being written there. Uh, I, mean, I thought the Chris Chibnall one was a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all obviously quite rushed and unedited, and I, I think it's quite nice that there's a sense of sort of rawness about them. But it is people with talent wanting to use those talents to to deal with the global situation and help with the global situation that we have at the moment, and I I, I think that's what absolutely wonderful and. I I actually get a a lot of grounding from the the podcasts that I listen to. And, you know, I I go into work in the morning. I I come home from work in in the evening. I've been redeployed to a COVID positive ward for patients with cancer. So they have a double whammy. Um, We've got a pretty high mortality, often feeling a a little bit like a chewed string at the end of my 12 or 13 hour shift. Uh, Having something to listen to that I know is going to entertain me and make me think about something more fun than the day's work that I've just had is absolutely invaluable as far as I'm concerned.
0: Good. I mean, these things are... They're there as a little pick-me-up for the world. Yeah. And I think they're doing a pretty good job of it because there's, there's no criticism that I've seen. And Doctor Who fans are reasonably critical. We may at points have fallen into that bracket ourselves. But some of this stuff, I think particularly this one... On a plot point, I mean, you've said that there's, there's no plot as such. It is really a, a series of tiny little monologues from characters. We've got Ace comes back. Sophie Aldred does that. We've got the three Sarah Jane Adventures kids who are now grown up. Joe Jones is in there. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. But there's quite I'm a few updated. name checks of previous characters in there. Ian and Barbara. Yeah. Uh, Tegan and Nissa, who are portrayed or alluded to as a lesbian couple in Australia now. Hmm, not terribly convinced by that one.
1: Actually, actually, they're not. They're alluded to as a couple. Mm. And you get all sorts of different couples in all sorts of different relationships. And what you will quite often find is that people who are getting towards the end of their days form relationships that are non-sexual. And it may be that that is talking about... Nyssa and Tegan, 50-odd years in the future, that have just set up house together. That is one possible explanation of the tiny little snippet that that was there. It's not the way I read it. I read it as um, they're in a romantic-slash-sexual coupling. Um, I don't personally have a problem with that. I don't think there's anything in the series that really points towards that. Equally, I don't think there's anything in the series that points away from it. I've never thought that you can tell anybody's sexual orientation just by looking at them or, talking to them or talking to them or actually knowing them reasonably well. People will always surprise you. So I know that there are all sorts of bits of the Twitterverse that are getting terribly upset about this and all other bits that are getting terribly excited about this. I just think it's a little character touch. Um, and I don't think of it as anything more than that.
0: It's an interpreter. It's not explicit, but it's heavily implied. I just, uh, it's to me, just stretching the bounds of credibility just a little bit too far.
1: Why is it stretching the bounds of credibility too far?
0: Because I just in no way can picture those two. They're chalk and cheese. They, I, the fact that they would ever. <laughs> you,
1: you don't know characters that. Uh, you don't know of couples that are chalk and cheese and, w- and work successfully for a long time. Not. Allow that that me to introduce far. you to Alan at some point. Not that far. I don't think Indeed. They are that massively chalk and cheese, to be honest. They're, there's a star and an audience, but you see that in a huge number of relationships.
0: A star and an audience? I like
1: that. Have you never heard of that expression? No. But you see, you see it in so many couples. You've got somebody who is center of attention, yabbers away like mad. Um, and somebody who's there, yes, dear, (laughs) until it gets to an argument. And often, as often as not, the yes, dear one is the one that actually makes the, the big decisions. You've never heard of a star in an audience.
0: No, you teach me all sorts of relationship terms. I just sat here in wonderment. I, I love that term.
1: I'm not entirely sure I'm the person to take a relationship <laughs> advice from. I, I happen to have fallen very, very luckily into, into one that um, that had, has worked extremely well for 10 years. But, but prior to that, I, I, I was almost as disastrous as you are. Almost.
0: I, I don't think... Moving on.
1: No, yes, um, we, we but we Luke... know far too much about each other's paths <laughs> to really continue with that conversation terribly far.
0: Dear listener, this is for another time, for an autobiography many years in the future. Um, no, Luke is. Um, no, he's, it bloody isn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Luke is uh, depicted <laughs> as gay Assure and destruction having been. I'm <coughs> um, determined know about to each continue other. with this. Luke is. Um, he does a monologue to camera where it's revealed that he is gay. Very, very much less of a surprise and um, introduced to his husband by Sarah Jane, which is a lovely little touch because Sarah was always this right back into the 70s was always this wonderfully modern woman. Nothing really fazed Sarah Jane. I think that's really why she's such a well-loved companion. Because nothing, how do I put this? Nothing really blew her out of the water. She wasn't shocked to an extreme extent by anything. It was just wow, an adventure.
1: I think she was by by cruelty. Um, I, I don't think there was anybody. There was anything that anybody did personally that um, that upset her, and I mean, she got on incredibly well with the gay couple in of Masque- Mandragora.
0: You See, this is one I've never seen deliberately. You've never seen Masked Mandragora. Never seen it quite deliberately.
1: Why not? Why not?
0: Well, I'm i sure it is, but I missed it on VHS and it came out on DVD and and then I don't know why I'd not had it, but then we started the podcast and I thought sooner or later, this is going to come up and it'll be a brand new Tom Baker adventure for me. So that's why I've never watched it.
1: My God above, you and I think so differently about things because if I knew there were Doctor Who episodes that were available on DVD and I hadn't seen, I wouldn't be able to sleep until I saw them. I think
0: it's the only story that I've never seen or heard or seen, had any sort of... Because all the missing ones I've heard or seen recons of.
1: I'm really quite shocked by that. Mm. And it is, oh, it's, a, it's a beautiful story. And, and she is just superb. I mean, there isn't a story she's bad in. No. I can't actually think of a bad story she's in. Oh, Monster of Peladon, really not good. You're not Um, keen
0: on those, are you? I don't think you're that keen on Curse. It's just better than Monster. I like Curse.
1: Right. No, I I quite like Curse. I I have very nostalgic feelings about Curse because it was the the first poetry I remember seeing and remembering. And Curse is quite a nice little story. Monster of terrible. I think that and... I mean, Robot isn't great, but it's mm. quite fun. A Sontaran experiment is limited, but two episode stories tend to be limited. Other than that, there are slightly ropey scripts that the the main cast do a wonderful job of holding together. And Android Invasion isn't the greatest script, but it's a fun, it's a fantastic story because. Tom Baker, Elizabeth Slayton hold the whole thing together. And you've got those wonderful character pieces like them going into the pub and they're ordering the gin. Mm.
0: See, I've got a real soft spot. Bear in mind that this is pre-my birth, but that is a real golden age of Doctor Who. The whole Hinchcliffe period where there's a lot of what I class as Middle England stories, they're in country villages Seeds of Doom, Android Invasion, to an extent things like Terror of the Zygons. They're all out of the way, little country areas, and it really suits Doctor Who. A lot of the Pertwee stuff was like that too.
1: Yeah. Um, the Hinchcliffe era was really what I grew up watching. I, My earliest clear memory of Doctor Who is Ark in Space uh, and Genesis of the Daleks and, to a lesser extent, Revenge of the Zygons. But they're really starting on from Zygons onwards, was when I've got pretty clear memories of watching it with my grandmother. And Sarah Jane Smith was a big part of why I grew up loving Doctor Who. When I think of a a dream TARDIS team, it's either Trout and Ben and Polly, because I just love all three of those, or Tom Baker and Sarah Jane Smith, because they're the ones that ignited my absolute love of the series.
0: Elizabeth Sladen is responsible for my VHS collection uh, because... In the early 90s, they did a series of repeats and Genesis of the Daleks was on, which I thought was wonderful. It was it was on Friday nights and on Friday afternoons, I got carted off to Blackburn College to do catering and hotel management and it was boring. I came home and for six weeks, we had Genesis of the Daleks and I was so taken with Elizabeth Sladen that I bought the rest of the series on VHS. At that time, I was just determined I was only going to buy the Peter Davison stories, because that's who I grew up with, and I couldn't possibly afford the rest of the stories available. And then I eventually, like we all do, I cracked. But it was Sarah Jane that did it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Revenge of the Sidemar was the first of the um, commercial DVDs to be released. Uh, Commercial VHSs to be released. And my my local blockbusters uh, that I used to walk down to every Saturday afternoon, and rent out Revenge of the Cybermen to the point where they would keep it on one side for me for a (laughs) Saturday afternoon. Uh, And the manager just said, look, do you not just want to buy this? Because you're renting it every afternoon. And it's quite a bit, because it it was 30 odd quid or something to buy. Mm, It it was very expensive, yeah. Absolute fortune. And I was a poor little underpaid factory worker at the time. And he, he just said, look, nobody else is renting this. I will sell it to you very cheap because we're about to get um, Seeds of Death in. Mm. I was, you're, you're about to get Seeds of Death in? <laughs> really? <laughs> I bought the uh, Revenge of the Cybermen of it and I actually ended up snapping the tape because I watched it so often. Because not it a killer time, it's when that happens? To watch.
0: I did the same with my off-air recording of um, Invasion Earth 2150 when I was growing up. Watched it every day and eventually the tape just gave up.
1: The tapes never actually gave up, but they they, they got very, very worn in places. Five Doctors was like that.
0: Getting back to Farewell Sarah Jane and Sarah Jane Smith. The actual plot of it, like you said, there's not much of a plot, but it well, is a, a lovely, lovely collection of set pieces. I mean, the people that they've got involved, I'm very glad that they've got involved, particularly the kids, if I'm honest, because... It's supposed to be a coder to the series. It would have felt very odd if they weren't in it.
1: And Rani's final piece to camera, where she just starts crying through it, was mm. beautifully done. It was. There wasn't a bad performance there. Quite why we had to, why we had to see what's his face in the recording studio. Jacob I Duggan. honestly don't know. Well, he um, is the
0: the current big finish darling, and he's a very talented man.
1: He has a wonderful voice. It sounded fantastic. I didn't need to see him Mm. distracting me from the fact that this was a story by making it obvious he was in in a recording studio. That bit I did think they could have
0: covered over with footage, yes.
1: Yeah, pictures of Liz Sladen, pictures of her as Sarah Jane. That would have worked so much better on that because every time you saw him with the, the baffled walls around him and making his little winks to camera and everything, it just dragged you out of it and said... This is fiction. We might be trying to tug at your heartstrings and everything and doing a pretty good job of it, but we'd do so much better a job if at some point we actually saw a picture of Liz Sladen.
0: That was the one thing I was expecting. I thought they might have had an outtake or some recorded material that they'd never used and dropped it in. Or the one thing that I I was very surprised they didn't do was have Tom Baker involved. I thought thought he would have been involved or they would have at least asked him Uh, because of all the doctors and and they've all paired off beautifully with Sarah Jane but she is the fourth doctor's companion
1: yes for me the two of them are the dream team Mm. because they're the ones that I I grew up with Um, this was my childhood
0: it's a close call but of the two because Tom Baker and Louise Jameson both on screen and on the audios the pairing of those two is brilliant uh, Horror of Fang Rock is the one that always leaps to mind, but nothing comes close, really. Nothing or oh, nothing's ever going to beat Sarah Jane and the Fourth Doctor. It just really worked, and by the time they get to Hand of Fear, they're almost like a married couple. When he sits her down in uh, it's some surgical theatre or something. He's clearly going to hypnotise her, and she's, oh no, not again. It's so familiar between them, and you don't really get that level of familiarity with any other Doctor-Companion combo. It comes close, but it's never quite as, as we know each other so well as the fourth Doctor and Sarah.
1: Yeah, and when I was coming through as a baby Doctor Who fan in the 80s, she was called the Queen of Companions.
0: Right, yeah. Well, that's I, another thing you haven't
1: heard. It is, I've, I've
0: never heard that, but I can understand um, why.
1: She is superb in every story that she does. Um, she is superb in the, the big finish Sarah Jane stories, even though most of them have fairly ropey plots, but she absolutely shines out. Uh, the Sarah Jane adventures are very kiddish, but mm. incredibly well done kiddish on the level of children of the stones. There's not a bad thing she's been in and she's wonderful in five doctors. Absolutely wonderful.
0: Well, you know that I'm a huge fan of. K9 and Company and I'm really sad that didn't get to go a series because it's one of my Christmas staples it's a Christmas Eve treat and I can't imagine as any you- other companion having that level of attention to certainly in the classic era where they would consider giving her a spin-off
1: and especially seeing as by that point she was what five companions down the line
0: uh, at least yeah
1: Leela Romana the Drag Queen um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Romana two. Adric Nissa Tegan K9. So, six. Seven fact,
0: two K nines. Now
1: you're being picky. I'm being very picky. Didn't the second K9 come in with K9 and Company?
0: No, that was the third. The second K9 came in with Romana One. Because he uh, Oh
1: yes, because it one stayed behind with um Lila. with Leela. Which is the the most illogical writing out of almost any companion because <laughs> Yes. And and I know Louise Jameson wanted to be killed off rather than Mm. written out to get married. And it would have been so much more in keeping with the character. But then we wouldn't have had the Gallifrey stuff from Big Finish, so it swings and roundabouts.
0: The stuff that Louise Jameson has done for Big Finish and the directions have gone off with Leela as a character we would have been robbed. Because she is Um, really wonderful.
1: she, She is, and... have. Have you listened to any of the things she's written? So Uh, she's written things for The Omega Factor. She's written things for Survivors. Now, Survivors, to my mind, kind of went off the rails after about the third or fourth season. But the stuff that she writes is absolutely wonderful.
0: No, I haven't. And I know she's done a lot of stuff with Nigel Furs. And it's all got good reviews. I've just never, because there's so much bloody Doctor Who to listen to. And I'm yonks behind with that. And I've got stuff on the radio that I listen to. So my actual...
1: Actually, the the Tomorrow People thing, stuff that she did with Big Finish was fantastic as well. She had a a wonderful, wonderful uh, character arc in that. I feel so
0: sorry for Big Finish on that score. Uh, There's an entire season of the Tomorrow People recorded, edited, ready to go, and they lost the license. So somewhere out there, there's a there's a full series of Tomorrow people that no one will ever get to hear.
1: Well, hopefully the license will drop off because the, the the American series that uh, that took the license lasted one season. I think um, it was a a vehicle for cousin of Blokey who plays Arrow in the in the DC universe. I've I've never seen it. I've heard that it's okay, but nothing special, and never went to a second season. So hopefully their their hold on the license will drop off, and then Big Finish can just release the whole lot. I really hope so.
0: So do I, for it their is, sake, because it, it must have cost them a fortune to do with no return. And, and the fans uh, were really keen I, on them.
1: It, it was fantastic. Big Finish do very well at taking ropey old TV series <laughs> and making good modern content from it. So, is a perfect example of that. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Stock up, Ops, stock I don't think, was ropey to start with, but Big Finish have done very good stuff with it, and they've just released Mars, um, and the the first stories of those are great. The, uh, the Mother Earth set of stories was absolutely fantastic. Their take on very good TV science fiction is a little more patchy. So their Omega Factor stuff is very good, but I think it's very good because it has Louise Jameson involved. Their take on Sapphire and Steel was painful to listen to and I couldn't mm. cope beyond on the first series it was just so awful um it was either we are going to very clearly directly rip off sapphire and steel or we're going to do an Alan Garner rip, rip off that has nothing to do with sapphire and steel at all
0: i never heard any of the sapphire and steel stuff but there were two things that You've put me off nothing. well uh, one i don't know whether pj hammond was involved but his writing was a very definite style that I don't think will be easy to replicate, but also they didn't have... uh, What was his damn name? Napoleon Solo.
1: David McCallum?
0: McCallum, or Joanna Lumley. And to be honest, if an audio series that's supposed to be either a continuation or a slot-in of a television series doesn't have the original actors in it, it puts me off straight away, to be honest. I'm not a massive fan of recasting. Having said that... Big Finish have just done um, a lost story with Tom Baker called Return of the Cybermen. It was an original Jerry Davis script from 1974, which was eventually reworked into Revenge of the Cybermen. Obviously, it would have had Sarah Jane and Harry in it. They have recast Sarah Jane and Harry. Sarah Jane is played by Sadie Miller, Elizabeth Sladen's daughter. And from the clips that I've heard, she does a really close job. So I'm quite looking forward to this. This is one of those recasts I'm probably not going to mind too
1: much. I don't actually have a massive problem with recasting. Uh, the recast Katerina was pretty good. Sounded vocally like the original Katerina um, in terms of animation and dynamics. was way beyond <laughs> the original uh, Katerina. It, it is an absolute crowbar of a story. They have stretched every ounce of credibility to uh, to get the story in. Even doing that, it's not terribly good, but the the, the recast Katarina does quite a good job. So I don't have a problem with recastings. My, my problem with Big Finish Doctor Who has always been the quality of the script. And I was going to say, it continues to be the quality of the script. I haven't actually listened to any of their new stuff for a couple of years because they got such an appalling signal to noise ratio. It just wasn't worth my time. I have a busy job, my leisure time is limited. And I'm not prepared to buy something just because it has Doctor Who on the light. And that covers an awful lot of big Finish stuff. I have
0: to say, because I've as, as been well documented documentary before, I am a, a big, big Finnish Doctor Who fan and have been since the word go. But they did go through a trough in the middle period. There's no getting around it. They, once you get to sort of release 90, the quality does drop off quite a way. For quite a long time, it picks back up though. And now I have to say, some of the modern releases, particularly the Paul McGann stuff and the War Doctor stuff and the War Master stuff, and
1: I think of those as separate to their their main Doctor Who releases. And yeah, the War Master stuff is, is wonderful. I've just finished listening to War Master season three, it's good. It hasn't yet reached the peaks of The, the Master of Callous, which is just one of the best things they've ever done. The War Doctor is superb, but it has John Hurt in. Who could read the read the phone? Be
0: <laughs> yes, got to say, I've got a, a lot of love going for John Hurt. The saddest thing, really, it's got to be that they never got to pair up Elizabeth Sladen and Tom Baker. I just think that's a terrible, terrible shame. They've yes. done the Sarah Jane adventures. They were okay, but
1: she she was fantastic in them. The, the supporting cast were good. The, the, the scripts were fairly forgettable. Um It suffered appallingly from the big finish effect, where somebody non-main original cast who they trusted turns out in the penultimate episode to have betrayed them all, and it happened in the unit story. It happened in the big fin in the um, Sarah Jane adventures. It happened. Oh, what else happened? There were there were quite a lot. A lot of the spin-offs that um, turned up in the first Gallifrey, I think. But it got to the point where, oh yeah, countermeasures as well. You could pretty much pick who the person betraying them was going to be from the first audio. Because it became that formulaic. And they've recognised that. And they've moved on from it. And the Star Cops that they did, the Mother Earth, they actually play on that effect. And there's somebody that you think, yeah, this is going to turn out to be the villain. And she doesn't. She turns out to be exactly what she appears to be. And somebody else that you don't think of turns out to be the villain. So, with that kind of thing, I, I do think Big Finish have learned from their earlier stuff, but not enough from the stuff that I've most recently listen, listened to on their Doctor Who stuff to make it interesting enough for me to start listening again.
0: To bring it back to Big Finish, the Sophie Aldred insert in the Farewell Sarah Jane episode. Now, Sophie Aldred's aging as people tend to do after 30 years her voice is exactly the same and it sounds really weird looking at her now with a middle-aged face talking with an early 20s late teens voice she has not aged vocally at all and it's really weird that was
1: odd I didn't find it particularly odd but then I've seen the ace bits of the um the most recent Blu-ray release, Ah. which has her as ace as she is now. So it's not the first time I've seen that. So I I didn't find that as weird.
0: The final thing I'll say about it is that they very, very neatly closed down Bannerman Road as a house and dropped it in until the next one comes along. So all of a sudden you've got this massive opening for another spin-off without any sort of crowbar whatsoever.
1: And do you not think that that's prime territory for Big Finish to leap in and stomp their boots all over?
0: I'd far rather that it was Children's BBC that leapt in.
1: There's an awful lot of stuff that Big Finish has done that I'd far rather somebody else did. But doesn't mean that they're not going to get their grubby mitts on it as soon as they possibly can.
0: Possibly. But to be honest, I I'd, I'd think that that would be very,
1: oh, I don't know.
0: I think the logical choice would be Ace, particularly since she's wandered off into the distance with K9. That would be—they've been itching to do something with Ace for years. This would be the prime opportunity, or somebody it's, like uh, Martha it's not, Jones.
1: It's not uh, well. That was the whole Martha Jones and Mickey and their their kitty wank. Um, <laughs> August with with Ace. I think they're going in a in a larger direction mm. with the uh, the whole. CEO of a large multinational charity. Ace was always too big a character to settle down on a little suburban suburban street. Now, Teagan could have done it. Um yes. If you if you think about who is left on Earth who would be able to, to do that kind of thing?
0: Realistically, Teagan.
1: Teagan is your best choice.
0: Because mm, Jo, she's been in it, but it would be a bit of a stretch.
1: Yeah, but, but they have established her as largely South American, bohemian, world-straddling, not staying in the same place for terribly long. She wouldn't settle down into a, a suburban house. All of the 60s companions are a bit too long in the tooth for anything. Mm. The 70s companions, well, the, the only one left from the Pertwee era is Joe, and we've already discounted her from the Tom Baker era. Tegan is your, your only one. In the Davis nearer, Tegan is your only one.
0: Yeah, credibility credibly. but I would Depending like to w- see while there's still time, I would like to see them do something with the existing companions. Number one on the list that I'd want to see in the television series is Ian. I think they've missed the boat, but I would have loved to have had him dropped in for the 50th. They've revisited Cole Hill so many times.
1: While, while Clara was teaching there, it would have been really nice if Ian had just been somewhere in the background, and that was the perfect time to mm. do it. I, I agree with you. I think the time has passed.
0: But Susan, I was fully expecting Susan to turn up in Capaldi's last series. There was even a photo of her on his desk. Yeah. Before we sign off, shall we descend into the bowels of Podcasting House remotely and open the Black Archive?
1: I think that sounds like an excellent idea.
0: Now, we're only doing the one this time. You have chosen something, because we wanted something that is missing with Elizabeth Sladen in it. You've picked out something that is eminently suitable.
1: I have, um, and I'm actually quite surprised we haven't brought this out of the Black Archive before. An early 70s TV series called Doomwatch, which will be pretty familiar to Doctor Who fans, it was the brainchild of Jerry Davis and Kim Pedler after their work on the Cybermen. And it was a BBC TV science fiction drama that ran from 1970 to 1972. There were three seasons of it. And it was modern day England dealing with realistic current scientific problems that ran amok very very well regarded the entirety of the second series exists although not on its original transmission format about half of the first series exists three episodes from the second from the third series Liz slayton was a guest cast member in an episode about nuclear power from the third series called say knife fat man it would be lovely to see i'm not sure there's much else of her, her output because she was sort of appearing in stuff from the the 70 from the early 70s onwards uh, but more so mid 70s by that stage, most things still exist. And, and certainly, as far as I can see, all of her output in things like Zed Cars uh, and Public Eye exists. There's this episode of Do Watch that's missing. It would be lovely to see anything from Do Watch because it is one of my absolute favourite TV series. And I think that's a, a fitting black archive for Sarah Jane.
0: But having waxed lyrical about Companions past and future shall we wrap this up
1: yes and for a 15 minute youtube video it has kept the world entertained it has kept us yabbering away for the last hour or so it has kept the internet alight it is distracting people from the covid drama which is what it was intended to do it mm. has done it brilliantly i have to say Russell T davis you're an absolute get it's not often that i get upset about watching, watching something on telly but uh, but i did Um, because it's Liz Sladen.
0: So with all the love in our hearts, from two fans to the rest of the world, Elizabeth Sladen, Sarah Jane, we salute you. Cheers. We do. To round us off, we have a never-before-heard interview with Elizabeth Sladen. This was an informal chat when she came and sat with me and the Preston Doctor Who group at the Gladstone Hotel in Liverpool for the Doctor Who and the Daleks 2 convention. This was my first ever Doctor Who convention, and Simon was one of the stewards, although we didn't know each other at this point, and wouldn't actually meet for another six months. What follows is a very ad hoc recording by a starstruck fan.
2: I mean, I think really the series stands on its own, to be perfectly honest. I mean, what big things have done really is they have kept the programme alive, while the, the programme has been dead really, hasn't it? And um, they have kept interest going. But I love doing the radios with John. Mm, They're just um, brilliant.
0: Mm -hmm. I think you're supposed to say, how do you feel about New (laughs) Series?
2: How so you feel about (laughs) your (laughs) Series? I I hope they do really well. I have no idea how they would do it at all. I just hope that they don't do what they did to the film, did with the film because there was a programme on before the film was aired and they said all the things that made Who Work and then they put the programme on and they gated everything they said. Well, not everything, you know, I'm being a bit facetious. But there's certain taboos that I think, if you're going to do that, then don't call it Doctor Who. It's a very simple format. You mess about with it if you haven't got anything. You almost can't explain it. It's so absolutely simple.
0: If you were asked to come back as Sarah Jane into the new series for some reason, would you consider doing Whatever Well,
2: every that? job's a job. I'm a jobbing actress. I, d- I don't know. I mean, if I it's a one line, no, go away. Silence. Go mm, away. Mm. If Barry Letts wrote it, I wouldn't even, if it was one line, I'd do it if Barry Letts wrote it. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't really think that's on the cards. So I can be quite wrong.
0: So they've not asked you then?
2: I'm not at liberty to mm. say. <laughs> <laughs> that's much more interesting, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's actually, Let's try and make me interesting on this. You know? yeah,
0: t- just coming off topic, and I've just read a book which is called Wolfsbane, which has got Tom's Doctor in it, Mm. and uh, also The Eighth Doctor. And you're in it as well. Am I? Yeah. Well,
2: was
0: it? I'm sure it was Colin Brake. (laughs)
2: Was he? He's he's just one
0: of the BBC writers. Does he write
2: well for Sarah? I thought he was brilliant. I could
0: imagine you saying the actual lines in the book. We're going
2: to some more Sarah Jane tapes. I want... What's his
0: name? Colin Brake. No, it's not. It's not at all. It's Jacqueline Rayner. Shaggy Rayner. Uh, um, ah, right. She's I executive she producer really from the BBC, yeah. Oh, really, uh,
2: mm. oh, right. What I hate about the, the, the books that, that are out with Sarah Jane on the front, they're definitely a 36 WD cut. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I looked at them, I
2: thought, and yeah. who is this? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I couldn't no. have to a to like that. Why did they do that? It makes me so cross. To sell this book, we've got to up the ante. <laughs> Right, what's the next
1: question? sorry? Are, are the Daleks just No, I pops. adore the Daleks.
2: <laughs> they are so scary. Yeah. Really, there's time in the studio with the Daleks when you can actually, you actually, for a moment, because you're trying to believe in your character and the story. That you're all pretending, but there's this real... Cybermen, no, can't take the boots. I keep looking at the Silver wellingtons and everyone really loves the Cybermen. I just look at them and think, oh, go, go away, I don't like them. But you look at the dart and they glide, and they scare me, it's really. When I'm playing Sarah Jane, the Daleks can scare me. Mm-hmm. True. But no, I, I find them limited. Um, what is your favourite food? I just love um, food. I uh, like cooking.
0: All of it, yeah, Yeah. Cooking. Uh, well, don't I try, like
2: cooking. do like? Don't like sweet no,
0: corn. Really. Uh,
2: no, no. I don't know, no, I do really like like and food. I'm not mad at No, I just, I just okay. like the
1: Um Which book are you currently reading?
2: Oh, is it called Eight? I can't even oh. remember the author. Uh, A book called I'm, Eight? I think it's Eight. Uh, and I'm
1: reading, you know, I
2: actually don't that. No. <laughs> no, not reading Eight. I not can't it. say why. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and if you do that,
1: I would have no, 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 no. Thanks to my reading, I'd
2: I'm reading the Michael Mann book about the Batman director and another book
0: on Edward
1: Dimitri. I'm
2: just reading some film books at the moment. I'm Edward Dimitri. D-Y-D-M-I
1: no, don't know, you have to look it up. Uh, uh, theatre or
0: art gallery?
2: Am I building a theatre or art gallery? Well now what does that question
0: It means, do you prefer the
1: theatre yeah. the or...
2: Well it's so different because theatre I would be playing it. Oh no, maybe you think watching. I love the Walker Art Gallery.
1: They've got the whole one of
2: Henry Eighth in there. I used to go look at that a lot when I was in drama mm-hmm. school. And the little Playhouse. there.
0: Uh, so you like both then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I love I've been to the Tech of the Mountain in London Yeah? House. Oh yeah,
2: um,
0: yeah. I love the Walker Art Gallery. In Salford. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. the Lowry. Lowry Museum and they get in the city of culture as well, so...
2: I know, I came on the train with Richard Branson when the first Pendolino came here. Oh, yeah. And, um, I was having drinks and that. And I, I would have rather gone to the Walker walk Art Gallery, they had today. this Dutch, you No, know, he was going to Holland next. So he wasn't even coming to London, this exhibition. And I got put on the yellow bus to go in the river. And I'd rather have been at the Art Gallery, in my mind. By, uh, it's just very
1: nice. Tom Baker or Colin Baker? Yeah. Do you need to <laughs> ask? Just no, please, can we be realistic? Here? <laughs> <laughs> if you had one wish, what would it be? Oh my
2: gosh, I can't choose one. No, because then you have to go in a very serious mood, and I know what I would ask to especially being in Liverpool. But it's, uh, it's serious, serious things. Um, let's keep it within Doctor Who. Yes. That people will still look at the programme and they will get something very personal out of it that will not make their lives better, but actually maybe help them through that particular time of their life when they're watching it if they need it. I know I've met people mm. who have said, you know, I was a very lonely teenager, and, I'm, you know, I'm really happy I was going through a funny... Because Dr. Who, sometimes you see it's about loneliness. It's about doing what you think is right, despite what is not too mm. popular, and which is not easy. Mm-hmm. And I do think... Um, I think it has a great morality, and I, I I would never want that to be lost. I would defend Doctor Who to anyone. Mm-hmm. So let's keep it within the Doctor Who. Final
0: question I've got to ask: your favourite story, any ever, that you were in?
2: Um, I really like a lot of things for different reasons, which probably have nothing to do with which is best. I love Planet of Evil.
0: Oh, that I was loved yeah. That was so scary. That was. I remember that. Very scary. That was,
2: usually, I got landed in rubbish dumps and short pits and quarries and all of a sudden you're in this... I'm assuming
0: uh, that was in a different studio because it was all the on film.
2: In, no, it was in wonderfully new studios. you know, where they did all those amazing The, the jungle set. Like. So that's, you know, all the reasons outside of Doctor Who, I suppose, really mm. why I like doing I love working on the sound stages there. And I like spiders as well, Fair. with Barry. But some of them I've seen since that I'm amazed, I don't really like very much at all. But, but i going
0: to have a word to yeah, Thank you very much. Thank, very you, thank you very much, much for taking the time.
2: Well, it's a you. Really well. appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <it's lovely.
0: laughs> well, that's it for this time. Thanks very much for listening, boys and girls. Coming up in the next few episodes, we look at Out of the Unknown, Out of This World, and The Omega Factor. Till then, thanks very much for listening. Sorry for the hiatus. We'll be back soon. Take care now. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton and Ken Moss, and the title music was performed by the BBC Symphony Orchestra. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers, and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was recorded in Rushton, Lancashire, and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmosexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.